We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we're going to talk about the announcement from transfer receiver Caleb Smith that he has retired from football, which means he will no longer be with Notre Dame. Not an unexpected decision. What I'm going to do here is kind of talk about what happened and and his decision and then dive into what it means for Notre Dame, what it could mean for Lorenzo Styles, and just kind of really break things down about where kind of Notre Dame is right now at wide receiver. So obviously we saw earlier today that Caleb Smith, who transferred to Notre Dame this winter from Virginia Tech, has decided he is no longer going to play football. It's a very unfortunate situation for Caleb. Uh, we had heard, been told when he when he wasn't at the last few practices, I had been told from some sources that he actually had walked out of a practice at one point in time. We were told he was dealing with some personal issues and and people were really unwilling to talk about it, which makes me think that there there's, you know, he's he's clearly going through some stuff, which is unfortunate for the young man and unfortunate for him in regard to he's not going to get a chance to play football anymore, which is uh, I feel bad for the for the young man for Notre Dame. It's it's obviously what he was brought here to do was to provide leadership. And he was a guy that had a, a bit of a higher floor because of his experience and a guy that was going to provide a, sort of a security net when it comes to the outside positions at Notre Dame. The, Caleb Smith obviously came to Notre Dame from Virginia Tech. He was a four-year player for the Hokies. And he was a guy that actually went from being a walk-on at Virginia Tech to a to a uh, a, a captain, which he noted in his his release. And he was a guy that last season for Virginia Tech, whose offense largely struggled, he was the lone bright spot. He caught 37 passes for 674 yards and three touchdowns. He ranked third in the ACC in yards per catch at 18.2. And he was a guy that caught 74 passes for 1,143 career yards. And that's more than anybody at Notre Dame has, has for their career. So there was an expectation with Caleb Smith that at the very least, you knew what you were going to get from him. And you could see kind of early on in the spring that he was battling to crack the rotation at, at, for, at wide receiver for Notre Dame. You saw, we saw a breakout from Deion Colsey. Tobias Merriweather's had a breakout. Deion Colsey, I mentioned first because that's the position I think Caleb Smith uh, was primarily going to start at early on. 
He was a ba- primarily a boundary receiver at Virginia Tech last year. He's a bigger bodied kid at 6'2, 220. And, you know, he came to Notre Dame. And I, I think the expectation was he was just going to, not from him, but just the expectation was because of the lack of proven talent at Notre Dame. And, and you know, Tobias Merriweather has one career catch. Deion Colsey has 13 career catches. There's nobody with close to 1,000 yards coming back that he would just slide in. But he was having a hard time doing that. And he was competing and battling, but, you know, going against a, talented cornerback room every day and having to compete for time with you know a bunch of very talented receivers who knew the offense better I mean that's the that's the part of it too is Caleb had a lot more experience as a college football player but he was new to the system and new to the offense and the teaching and and obviously the quarterbacks and so I think some of the experience advantage early on was not there and that allowed some of the, the the more talented younger players to to, to I don't say pass him up, but to keep him from passing them up and and to 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 be ahead of them in in the depth chart. Now that doesn't mean he was going to stay there. I mean, you know, I, I've made this case about the quarterback room. I'm not surprised that Tyler Buckner's in some ways outplaying Sam Hartman, although I think that's a little overstated. The reality is, is Tyler Buckner is a talented kid who knows the offense and knows what the expectations are. And we're seeing the same thing. And it's going to take Sam Hartman some time to to get there. But, you know, we're now 11 practices into 40 in preparation for the first game of the season. And Caleb Smith would have been in the same situation. So even though he was struggling now and it's easy to say, well, I wasn't going to play anyway. I don't think that's true. He was going to help and he was going to provide good depth and, and good leadership. And by the time we got to week one, I think he would have comfortably been in the rotation now that's not going to be the case and so what I want to do next is discuss what's the impact for Notre Dame we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. 
It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash irish. Check it out. Because I think it, 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 we can make two mistakes with this with this departure. Number one is we can overstate it, like, oh my gosh, you lose this veteran player, and 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 he, you know, you lose this depth and all this. And and I think it could be overstated because Caleb Smith, as I mentioned, has seventy four career catches and over eleven hundred career yards, but none of them came in Notre Dame. So it's not like you're losing him from last year's offense. You didn't even have him for barely. You had him for barely half the spring practices. So I don't think it's a loss in that regard. So it shouldn't be overstated, but shouldn't be understated either. And say, well, we've got this guy and that guy and the other guy, and that's all true. But my response to that is always, but wouldn't you like to have that guy, that guy, that guy, and the guy that you that that departed the roster? And of course, that's accurate. And Notre Dame may be in great shape now, but there's always the what ifs of college football, right? And so I think I think. To me, it's a loss. It's a lost opportunity for you to have a veteran player, but you're also in a situation where your your depth chart is in a in a pretty good place. So, just from a pure number standpoint, Notre Dame is okay right now. I think they're going to be okay with this loss. You've you've got to keep in mind that Chris Tyree was moved to receiver during the spring. You're also going to welcome the other Caleb Smith, the high school Caleb Smith from Texas, in this spring as well, or in the summer as well. So you're you're going to get another guy to replace him from a number standpoint. Now, Caleb Smith, the younger Caleb Smith, is not going to play the same position as the older Caleb Smith. And this will be the last show that we have to, to, to talk about that. But at least from a number standpoint, if he pr- plays well, you've then got some guys that you can maybe move around to help with that. So it's not a direct uh, replacement, but at least from a number standpoint, it puts you in, in, a, in a good situation. Right now, Notre Dame is still in a situation where they have 10 scholarship receivers on the roster, or they, excuse me, they're at nine right now. They'll have 10 once the other Caleb Smith shows up this summer. And so they're, they're good from a number standpoint. And I'm going to talk about does it, what this might mean for Lorenzo Styles here in a little bit too. But for the beginning of this conversation, I'm working with the assumption that, that Lorenzo Styles is still going to be a wide receiver because as of right now, that's where he is, Coach Freeman noted earlier today in the press conference after the scrimmage, which there was a big scrimmage today, the name offense won. We'll have something on that here later. We'll discuss that later. But um, he mentioned that Lorenzo Styles, all the reps he took today was on offense. So as of right now, I, I Lorenzo Styles is a receiver. And so we're going to talk about him as a receiver in this breakdown. So where I think that this departure can have an impact for Notre Dame is potentially in the boundary because I don't think there's a lot a, of natural boundary players for Notre Dame. Now let's discuss what a, the boundary receiver is for Notre Dame and not necessarily from a football 101, but I mean, it's pretty simple. The boundary receiver primarily lines up into the boundary. Notre Dame has tended to be a field boundary team, meaning if the ball's on the left hash, the boundary receiver goes to the left because that's the boundary, which each is, is equivalent. It's the equivalent of the short side of the field. There's the field receiver, which is the X. The boundary is the W. And then there's the slot, which is the Z. Now, I have noticed a little bit this spring that there seems to be a little bit more interchangeableness. So I think that's a, a positive for Notre Dame. We'll dive into that here a little bit. But I don't think there's a lot of natural boundaries. And the boundary, as I was getting ready to discuss, is you know ideally like a little bit of a bigger bodied player. It doesn't always have to be. 
Chris Brown was the boundary receiver for the 2015 offense, for example. But ideally, you'd like a bigger receiver there. If you look at the other boundaries that Notre Dame has had in recent years after Chris Brown, it's Equinemia St. Brown, who was 6'5", over 210 pounds. He was the boundary in 2016 and 2017. Miles Boykin at what, 6'4", 220, was the boundary receiver in 2018. Chase Claypool, who was 6'4", 230, moved to the boundary in 2019. Javon McKinley, who was 6'2", 215, 220, was the boundary receiver in 2020. Kevin Austin, who was 6'3", over six, two and a half, over 200 pounds was the boundary in 2021. And then this past season, the, the, the boundary position was a, I mean, it was a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a work in progress for most of the season, obviously where Notre Dame didn't necessarily have a true, a true boundary player this year. And, and I think that at times you saw that being a bit of an issue for the offense this season. So obviously, you know, Deion Colsey, played some boundary as we as we kind of got into later in the season. Michael Mayer would line up there at times. Braden Lindsey uh, was was primary of the X guy. We would see Tobias Merriweather at times playing to the boundary. There was not a true boundary receiver for Notre Dame this season. And and so I think when you when you look at the depth chart now, I think that you're in a similar situation where you don't have necessarily a true boundary guy outside of Deion Colsey. But I do think you're in a better position than maybe where they were a year ago and a lot. And, and I'll get into that here in a second. But what this does is this puts a lot of pressure on Deion Colsey. Now, I think Deion's going to step up and handle it well. I think Deion's had a good spring so far. And, and I know he hasn't been perfect. And, and and I'm not quite sure what the expectations for some are. But, you know, Deion still is a work in progress from the standpoint. He still has to develop greater consistency from an effort an effort standpoint. I say effort, not that he's like not practicing hard, but just – Hey, do you really want to be that guy today? And and I think he's still learning that level of focus. So probably focus is a better term than effort, because when you say effort, you people think it hey, guy's lazy, he's not working hard. I'm not saying that, and I don't think that's necessarily Dion's problem. It's just a, do you want to be great today? Some days I think he does want to be great. And other days, uh, I'm I'm not sure if he's quite mastered that ability to be consistent from an effort and a focus standpoint on a day to day basis. And, and I, but I, but I think he's made progress. I think he's had a good spring. Obviously he kept, he was, he was ahead of Caleb Smith all spring. I think he's developed a good relationship with the Notre Dame quarterbacks. He's starting to use his size more. His speed is starting to play more. You, you, we saw that in the practice, the last practice we saw where he just blows by Benjamin Morrison. Now, again, what does he do? Drops the ball. But then later he makes two phenomenal back shoulder grabs during the practice too. So he's coming along. I think this now is sort of a, You've got to sit down with Dion and say, buddy, look, this is your opportunity, right? Like this is your chance to go out there and say, I want to be great. I want to be the best I can be. I want to be that guy that this offense can rely on and then go out there and play that way every single day. He needs to do that now because you don't necessarily have that fallback option if if he doesn't play to that level, which Caleb Smith could have been. So I think that's the other part too, and of course Dion's got to stay healthy because if he goes down, now you're in a you're in a, a tougher spot. But but we'll dive into that here in a second. But I, I do think that that's sort of a when you look at what does this mean for Notre Dame, I, I do think that it it could potentially create some issues in the boundary, and I think it does put some pressure on on Dion Colsey. So Dion's going to have to really step up this spring. And what I want to do next is I want to really look at 
just the Notre Dame depth chart at the three receiver positions. And I think that we are seeing Notre Dame working on a ton on 11 personnel this year in the spring. I think that's partly by design, meaning they need to really work that part of the depth chart out. I think it's also because they're a little low on numbers at tight end right now because you've got Kevin Bauman out, you've got Lelai Raritan out, Cooper Flanagan doesn't show up till till the summer. So you're you're basically down to as far as scholarship guys, Holden Stace, Mitchell Evans, and Davis Sherwood. So I, I think it's just perfect timing to really build up the eleven personnel stuff. So we've seen a lot of that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of look at this from a from an eleven personnel standpoint because if you go twelve personnel, it, you're 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 good because both your guys are outside. And, and that gives you more options. But I, I want to kind of go through this position group by position. I mean, like position alignment by position alignment and really take a peek at what this could mean for Notre Dame. And we'll begin with the W receivers. Obviously, right now, Deion Colsey is, has been the number one. He's been that way all spring. I expect that to continue. I think that would have continued even if Caleb Smith was around. And the way I had this broken up right now is the guys that, that we've primarily seen as the, the top two guys of the position, and, and, and some will have three. And then below it, I'm going to have a, a look at some of the guys that could also play in this position should they need it. And I think that's where you start to say, okay, I think they'll be okay. But right now this spring, we've seen primarily Deion Colsey and Braylon James playing the boundary uh, along with Caleb Smith when he was around. You know, Deion Colsey obviously brings great size to the position. He's sort of that ideal body type for the boundary. His game is ideally suited for the boundary, meaning he can, he's can he got speed. He can stretch the field. He's not just a big guy that, that kind of lumbers. Deion's got surprisingly good speed. He's got one-on-one you know, kind of contested catch ability. Again, he's got to be more consistent with it, but it's there. He improved as a blocker last year. I think that's a very important trait for a boundary that often we don't talk enough about. He also showed last year they can work to mill the field. And and that's important for a boundary because a boundary guy a lot of times is going to be working either a one-on-one backside where the quarterback is going to make a read. So the quarterback, you've got your field concept. Let's say you got three trips to the right. You've got your field concept. you got your boundary receiver. The, the, the field concept is going to be kind of doing its own thing a lot of times. And then the boundary is going to sort of have a one-on-one. It's a back shoulder. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a comeback. It's a stop route. It's a post route. It's a go route. Something where, if the quarterback sees a certain look, it could be quick game stuff. Where you may have a deep ball concept to the right, but the the uh, the boundary receiver has has a quick out because the quarterback is going to read. Hey, if I got off coverage in an open window, open window means from the left, from the defensive end out to the receiver, there's no second level defender there. So there's, you know, the, there's no overhang backer. There's no three, four back, three, four end that's, or three, four outside back that's kind of dropped. Uh, the linebackers tucked inside. There's not a safety that's come, that's come down in the alley. There's an open window there in an off corner. He may run something like a five yard speed out, a six yard hitch, something where the quarterback just may catch it and just get it out there. Let him get his yards. And, and if, if it's closed, if it's a cover two look where the corner's down, if there's a window out in the boundary, then you may say, okay, we're going to stick with our field concept. And a lot of times you'll see that boundary receiver convert that route. But there's also other times where that receiver is running part of the concept. And this is where you saw Deion Colsey have some success last season, you know, where you've got your field concept, but then you've got a backside route from that boundary receiver kind of coming over to the middle of the field. So the quarterback, so for example, may be reading right, but he's going to read it right and then he's going to come back to that boundary so if i'm reading this here and let's say i've got some sort of smash concept right and and i and i see them you know they they fly, they buzz that guy out underneath 
the the hitch route so that the smash concept or the smash route and then let's just say you know that linebacker uh, there's an inside backer that kind of runs with the corner, but then the corner, the corner back stays back and plays the corner route. So, you know, you thought you had a good look there. Uh, let's just say you're running like a, you know, a deep out and an outside go route, a, a, an inside deep out route. Uh, you've got some sort of flood concept. You've got some kind of seam concept where I'm reading that side, but if they play it and I see that inside backers flying out or running with the seam or, or getting up underneath that deep end cut. Let's say you're running a seam with a deep end to the field, uh, whatever the case may be. And I and I see that inside backer flying out. Then I know that 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 the backside receiver, the boundary receiver, is kind of coming back with some deep end con- concept, a, a deep over route. And we saw Dion hit this multiple times last year on third down. So there has to be a level of a semblance of yeah, you've got to win the one on ones on the outside. You got to be able to stretch the field. But you got to be willing to work the work inside as well, and I think Dion showed that last year. There's not a natural guy like him behind Dion, and so when you look at the other receivers that could potentially play there, you'd have to somewhat alter what you're doing if those guys are there. We've seen Braylon James step up. Braylon's shown some really good traits this spring, but he's also showed that he's he's raw. He still needs work. We saw a, a rep last. Uh, we've seen reps from him this spring where he just smokes a corner off the ball. He's great speed. He's long. His He's catching the ball better. But then we saw a couple reps where he just couldn't get off the line of scrimmage, got got jammed outside by Lorenzo Styles on one. I think Chance Tucker got him on another because Braylon is still learning the sort of the, the, the finer parts of the game. He's very much a work in progress when it comes to the, the craft aspect of playing receiver. The God-given tools are outstanding. But that's the part where now Braylon has to say, hey, look, dude, there's a great opportunity for you now. I mean, we talk a lot about Deion Colsey's got to step up now that Caleb Smith is out. But I think the other guy that has a tremendous opportunity here that he needs to realize that and say, hey, I got to take my focus, my work, my concentration, my my attention to detail, my mastering of this craft to a whole new level because there's now a wide open opportunity for me to kind of step into that number two role in the boundary which means you're going to play. You're not having one receiver play all those snaps. There's a tremendous opportunity for Braylon James now, and he's got to take advantage of that because I think right now he probably makes the most sense as the number two boundary. Now, there's things he he's that Dion's going to do that you're just not going to ask Braylon to do. You're not going to ask Braylon James to win a bunch of back shoulders right now. I think eventually he can get there because he's going to eventually have the, the the strength that you want. He's got the length to be that guy. But right now, I don't know if he has the strength to be that guy consistently, at least not against the better teams on your schedule. So he's got to learn that. But there's other things he does do well. He's extremely fast. You can run some screen game stuff with him. You can bring him on a lot more you know, crossers and stuff where he can just really get his speed, some over concepts where his speed can just outrun the backside coverage and, and really get the ball in space. He can take the top off of a defense. So what you would have to do in a situation where Braylon is your number two is you'd have to say, okay, these are the things Braylon does well and ask him to do that. And then it's up to Braylon to say, okay, I need to put in the work from a technical standpoint, from a weight room standpoint, and from a route running standpoint to, to, to give my coaches more options of things that I can do. And that's going to be what, what Braylon is going to have to do as he kind of works into the rotation. Now what's next? Right. Let's say you need another guy. Let's say Braylon's not ready or, or Dion gets hurt and you need another boundary guy. There's other options on the field. Tobias Merriweather could play in the boundary. Now, 
ideally I like Tobias as a field guy. And if, if Dion's your start in the boundary, then I'm leaving Tobias as my field guy. Having said that there's plenty of things you can do as an offensive staff to say, you know, this drive, we're going to go tempo and we're just going to stay left and right with our outside guys. And you're going to find times where if, you know, if, if Tobias catches a ball outside on the right, he catches a deep out. You're not flipping your receivers. He's going to stay on the right side. The ball is going to move to the hash. Dion stays on the left side. The only guys that switch are the tight end and slot. That's what you'll do when you go tempo. And well, now all of a sudden, Tobias is in the boundary. So he will have some boundary snaps this year. There will certainly be opportunities for him to do that. But as far I'm referring to more of the full-time deal, where you've got to go out there and give me 30, 40 boundary reps a game. I don't know if that's ideally where I want to have Tobias right now. I think eventually he could get there, if especially you know by his junior year once Dion's gone. But right now, I think Tobias has to get a lot stronger to to be ready to play that position on a full time basis. He'll eventually get there, but I don't know if that's ideally where you want him to be. Plus, I think I love his skill set to the field because he can take the top off the defense. He can work. He's such a great route runner for such a young player. He can do some of the the post curls, the deep ends, the comebacks, the corners. A lot of the different concepts that you're going to ask that that field receiver to run, and so I think he he ideally suits that position. Lorenzo Styles is a guy that can play the boundary. Again, not an ideal situation. There's route concepts you're not going to ask him to run. You're not going to have him doing back shoulders and one on ones, but he can take the top off the defense. He can he can run a stop route against off off or bail coverage on the outside. Uh, he can run comebacks on those same looks. He can run the quick game stuff into the boundary. He can run crossers. He can run overs. He can run a deep end cut. And so I think those are things that Lorenzo could do. You're, you just have to say, okay, we're not going to play our big boy game when Lorenzo's in there and take advantage of his speed. So it just requires you to do a little bit of, of altering there. And a guy that I could really see potentially battling over there is Jaden Greathouse. That's the third guy. And you're going to see me talk about Jaden Greathouse at all three positions and the same thing Lorenzo Styles. So uh, Jaden Greathouse is a guy that right now is primarily playing the slot. But he's 6'1", he's 213 pounds, he has great ball skills, he has great ball skill potential, he had great ball skills in high school, he's still learning at Notre Dame, and it's a a different animal at Notre Dame than it is at high school, even at a place like Austin-Westlake. But I think he could, I think ideally Jaden is a field guy, either Z or X, I think both of those field spots are where he's best, but I'd have no problem, if I had to go to battle, with Deion Colsey and Jaden Greathouse as my two boundaries, I'm good. I'm good there because I think Jaden Greathouse has that. And that's what I, one of the things I loved about him as, as a prospect is, you know, he's a guy that I, I think fits in well, really at all three positions in some areas. And, and I think that's where a guy like him gives you a lot of value right now, because if you get to that point, he's someone who could help you there. I, I think there's no doubt about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's get to the next couple of positions. Let's go down to the X position. Now, this is the field outside receiver position. It's the one that Braden Lindsay played last year. Obviously, right now, Tobias Merriweather's the starter there. I talked about what I like about him there. Lorenzo Styles has played a bunch there as well. I think he he could fit in at, at really all, all the spots at that position. But I think field outside is a place where he's had some good success. I think Lorenzo's best success is, has been in the slot at, during his first two years, but he can play there as well. And a guy that I think this has really shown a knack for being that player too is Rico Flores Jr. And, and honestly, in some ways, Rico could do some boundary stuff. He's a stronger kid than I expected him to be. And I just I don't know if if he necessarily has the catch radius that I prefer into the boundary, but there's certainly some things that Rico could do into the boundary as well. But I really like him as a field guy for a lot of the reasons I like Tobias Merriweather. It's the route running, it's the ability to get open and find you know find open spaces to you know have an understanding on on how to get open and against zone to find that sweet spot. He's got very good hands, and so I like Rico ideally to that field position. So you you could be in situations where Lorenzo's playing somewhere else and Rico is is kind of that number two guy at that position, and I'd feel. I mean, he's had a, a really good spring. I think all the freshmen have really flashed this spring and, and have, have to have you, if you're a coaching staff at Notre Dame, very encouraged about what what potentially exists for you uh, at those positions. And I think Rico, to me, could play both outside position, both field positions outside or in the slot, but I really like him as a as a field outside guy. And then, of course, you've got the other two freshmen who could play the X position. Braylon James could play it. I actually think... Field might actually be ultimately Braylon's best position uh, when it's all said and done, but I think he can play both outside positions uh, very, very fine, uh, uh, very well. The reason I like, I, the reason I say I think ideally that's his best position is because that's a position where I can really just take advantage of the speed. I don't need Braylon to necessarily be a a great route runner. You don't get pressed as much to the field as you do to the boundary. It's like, hey, man, I need you to know how to do go routes. I need you to know how to do post routes. I need you to know how to do deep in, in cuts. I need you to run some some quick game and some stuff breaking inside. I don't need you to run a stuff here. I can use your speed this way. So I think Braylon's a guy that could certainly play that. And, of course, Jaden Greathouse could play that position as well. Of the three, of the three positions, I would say I'd probably rank the X position as, as Jaden Greathouse's third of the three but again he can play them all and play them all well when it's all said and done so i could see him being a guy that fits there as well and then you'll see the z the receiver position and this is kind of where the move of chris tyree has become pretty impactful for notre dame you look at the guys that are primarily there now you've got Jaden thomas who's entrenched as your starter there he's had a quality spring we saw what he could do last year uh, a guy that can work the middle of the field work the seams Find soft spots. He, he really developed as a route runner last season. I didn't put Jaden at X or or in the boundary because he just has never looked comfortable there. He looks much more comfortable over the middle. But again, he's six one and a half, six two, two twenty. You could easily, easily put Jaden Thomas, you know, into that into that boundary position if you get into a pinch. I just don't think you're maximizing his skills there. And so that's why I would look for other options because he's so valuable in the slot. But if you wanted to do some things where you had Chris Tyree and Jaden Thomas on the field together, I'd have no problem with that. I'd feel comfortable with those guys being on the field together. Absolutely comfortable with those being those guys being on the field together. So I think Jaden also gives you a little bit of flexibility and at, at those positions. It's just 
I, I, I'm going to kind of right now work with him just being that field guy. And, and I think that that's ultimately where Notre Dame would like him to be. And then you've got Chris Tyree, who is, who's worked this spring in the, into that slot position and looked good doing it. Uh, you've got Matt Salerno, who can give, give you reps there in a pinch. And then, of course, Jaden Greathouse is playing that position now. I, I think Jaden is very natural there as well. He's a little bit, I'd say a little bit maybe more athletic version of Jaden Thomas, just not as quite as big and, and not as experienced as of right now. But he brings a lot of value in the slot. I'd say that's probably my number one position for Jaden would be as that slot guy. And then, of course, Caleb Smith, the transfer, comes in, and he's a guy that brings that value as well as a potential slot guy. He could also play some X. It'd just be a different type of X. He could play it a, similarly to how Braden Lindsay played it. So you could easily put him out there as well. But slot right now is kind of where I project him. So as you can see, as you can see from this, this breakdown, there's a lot of options still. And there's a lot of guys that can play multiple positions, in my opinion, in this offense. And and I think one of the things that has had hurt Notre Dame in, in past years is that Notre Dame wasn't in a position, in, in, in my view, where they really had guys that could do a lot of different things. They didn't have guys who could who could come out and and, and you know, hey, look, you're just you're just kind of a slot. You're just kind of a you're you're just kind of an X. You're just kind of a Z. You're just kind of that guy, and you're you're not really someone who, if we get into trouble here, can go move over here. I think where you are with the depth chart now, and a lot of it's because of the, some of the young players, especially is you have a lot of guys can do a lot of different things, which helps protect you if you're in a situation where you have an injury, you have a you have a guy leave, you have a, a Caleb Smith leave, you have uh, an injury to a player, if that were to happen, where you're in a position where you can you can kind of go through it. And and I, I think that's, again, why the landing the freshman class they landed was so important for Notre Dame, because you you do have that kind of, Twofold, one, versatility. You have every single guy in the 2023 freshman class can play at least two of the three positions in the Notre Dame offense. And a couple of them could really play all three. Because if you needed to, you could put Braylon James in a slot if you needed to. You could put Rico Flores in the boundary if you needed to. So I think that gives them a lot of value. I think you've got some of the, the junior class is now stepping into an important role. They're now going into year two of being with Chancey Stuckey, which I think is going to is proving very beneficial to them because they're actually getting really good coaching now, and I think that's something that that helps you really develop your your roster. So, what does this mean for Lorenzo Styles? There's a lot of talk about Lorenzo getting work this spring at corner. If you remember, I, well, I did an article about this at IrishBreakdown.com. I would encourage you to to go read that. I would encourage you to always read our articles at IrishBreakdown.com. It's a it's a way that you can always help us because they're free articles, but we get ad revenue from them, so it's always helpful. If people are asking, how can we help? How can we help Irish Breakdown? Read our articles. But I have an article kind of breaking down Lorenzo as a corner, and and I I wrote something about him when he was a, a Notre Dame prospect. Because there were some schools, including Ohio State, that actually liked Lorenzo as a corner. And here's something I wrote about Lorenzo when I did a film breakdown of him back when he was committed to Notre Dame and was still in high school. I said, Styles is open to playing on either side of the ball, which adds to his value. If Notre Dame loads up at wide receiver or comes up short at cornerback, the Pickerington Central star would easily slide over to defense and provide starting caliber talent. 
Ideally, the Irish are able to have success recruiting cornerbacks, which would allow Styles to stay on offense, but having that versatility makes him incredibly valuable. And so, and obviously we heard all the rumors this winter about how he's going to transfer to Ohio State and play corner and all those kind of things. And so, you know, Coach Freeman addressed that today. And at the beginning, he was like, hey, look, you know, he, he didn't play any of your snaps there today. But by the end of the, the little segment that he was talking about, you could tell that there's there's a serious conversation here. Uh, it was brought to, according to Coach Freeman, he brought it up. Lorenzo became open to it and he's embraced it. And from what I've, the sources I've talked to, I mean, you know, he can say that. What's he going to say? No, the kid doesn't want to do it. He's not a team player. Of course, he's going to say that. But talking to sources, it's true. It's actually factual that he he has embraced this. And I think it's something he's certainly open to. And and I just think he's never he's he's looked really good this spring athletically, like he's running fast and he's running, playing with confidence. But he just doesn't catch the ball real calmly. He's still kind of fighting the ball a little bit. Well, playing cornerback, you don't have to worry about that. And that was part of the issue that Cam Hart had as a wide receiver when he came to Notre Dame is he just didn't catch the ball super clean. And so I, I you say, okay, well, you know, Christian Gray's out, out right now and, and there's there's thin at safety. The hope is maybe you can move a corner over there, but I don't know if they have enough confidence in the depth at corner right now, especially with Cam Hart's injury history to, to really go there. So you're now in a position where you just lost a receiver you're expecting to have. You've got your really talented freshman cornerback's got in the injury. He's out for the spring. Don't know what his status is in the fall. I would imagine he'll be back for the fall. But you're, you're just not feeling great about it. And you've got this 6'1", 192-pound, one of your three or four fastest players in your team who was a pretty good press cornerback in high school that has expressed an interest of possibly playing there. Well, the initial thought is, well, you can't do that now because Caleb Smith is gone. And I don't think that's true. The other thought that people say is, well, does Notre Dame need to go to the portal now? And and now that that he's out, especially if you're going to move Lorenzo to corner, I don't think either are true. And and I want to, I just want to pull up sort of the, the the depth chart right now and just kind of talk through this because I don't think Notre Dame is in a situation right now where where the numbers are bad. I think I, to me, ideally, ten is where you want to be. This is a look right here. Is a look at the at what the sort of the roster looks like. The top three guys are the anticipated starters as of right now. And it's basically Tobias at the X, Dion at the W, Jane Thomas at the Z. You've got your three veterans. We talked about Lorenzo could, could is a guy that right now we're going to have a receiver. He's a guy that can play X. He can play Z, he can play W, but he's primarily a Z and an X. In my opinion, you've got Matt, Chris Tyree, who's still learning that position, but brings a lot of value. You've got Matt Salerno who's played some valuable minutes and, and can, can be a guy. And then of course you have the four freshmen and Caleb Smith will arrive. The younger Caleb Smith will arrive this summer. So right now you've got 10 guys, and I think you're good there. I think losing a, a, a Lorenzo Styles and this this 10 right here does not include the guy that, that Caleb Smith had just departed. I think lo- losing a Lorenzo Styles, yeah, you lose a lot of experience. You lose your most proven pass catcher. But I think there's enough talent there, in my view, to, to say, hey, if you believe in that move, if you believe that this could help Lorenzo, and his desire to be a professional football player, maybe you believe that this is where he has the best. And I'm just kind of doing a, a devil's argument. I, I still like Lorenzo's future at wide receiver, but if he's not comfortable comfortable catching the ball, or if in his heart he maybe has a desire to do something else, and and you want to make that move, then I think that you do what's best for the player, and then you figure it out. So sure, maybe they could go to the portal, but when you look at this list, because of the talent of the freshman class, I think you can still make this move because if you did move Lorenzo, let's say you took Lorenzo off this list, 
you still have Tobias Merriweather, you still have Deion Coles, you still have Jaden Thomas, and then you still have Chris Tyree and then Matt Salerno. And, and obviously you don't want Matt Salerno playing like a ton of reps against the Ohio States and the Clemsons and the in the uh, the USC's and then getting the postseason and, and the Georges and the Alabamas. But right now, even if you took out Lorenzo Styles, he's your number five of your veterans. Last year, he was at times a three and a four. Then you bring in the freshman class, and I think that class is ready to play. I, I do. And so I think you can easily get to a, a, a five and a six there uh, or even a six and a seven of guys that are ready to play with the freshman class or possibly even eight. Because, again, I think three of those freshmen for sure will be ready to play by the fall. I, I can't speak on Caleb Smith because I haven't seen him in person. But from what I've seen of Rico and Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James through 10 practices, they're way ahead of where most freshmen are size-wise, talent-wise, feel for the game-wise, especially Greathouse and Rico. They're very smart young players who know how to run routes. And so I think you you look at it and say, I don't think you need to panic and, and go to the portal right now. And I don't think you need to panic and say, well, we can't move Lorenzo now. I, I, I don't think that that is the reaction that's needed, in my view, from this. I, I think if you believe in that move, then I'd say still make the move and 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 go with it and just coach the young players up and then make that decision this summer so that way those guys know what their roles are going to be and they can step into those roles. So I don't even think moving Lorenzo along with moving Caleb Smith is going to do that. And the reason I don't think Notre Dame believes that either because Caleb Smith has been out for over a week and they've still been playing Lorenzo. And in, 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 it, it just, a, and again, not a ton, but having him get work at corner. If, if they were like, hey, we can't move him now because Caleb Smith being gone, I think you would have seen them stop that experiment. And I don't think that's the case. And I, and I definitely don't think you need to go to the portal. Look, if, if you can go to the portal and there's some guy that's just going to be like a difference maker, I mean, a, 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 I would say I don't want someone that's going to be like Caleb Smith. I'd say find someone that's going to, to you know, could be an even better vert, better than that, then sure. You're always going to look to better your football team. But right now, I just don't think there's the need for that. And, and everybody at, at receiver right now, with the exception of Matt Salerno, has eligibility returning in 2024. You've already got a commitment from Cam Williams, who's a top 50 national player, in my view, and has five-star potential. And, and you've got several guys that, that the staff likes. And so I think Cam Williams is the kind of guy that, if he continues to progress the way he is, can help you as a freshman as well. So your numbers are good for the next couple of years. They really are. And, and I don't feel like that this move by Caleb Smith should be anything that pre- pre- prevents you from making this kind of move, especially if you feel this is what's in the best interest for Lorenzo Styles presently and for his future. should always make decisions, almost always make decisions that are best for the young people. The only exceptions being where you are genuinely short on numbers and, hey, we'd love to move you, but we can't afford to. As long as you're honest with it, kids will understand that. But I don't think that's where they are. I think right now they still are in a position where the numbers are that they can move Lorenzo. And here's the, here's the reality. Let's say you suffer a couple injuries like they did last year and you've moved Lorenzo. You can easily move him back. The other thing that you have to think about too is Notre Dame right now, we have to remember, is a team that, that has very deep tight end roster and it's going to be, or at least it will be by the fall. You've got, You've got a deep depth chart running back. It will be by the fall. And so you can easily do some, if you if you do lose a guy and you can't do 60 snaps of 11 personnel, okay, so let's say you're only in a position to maybe do 30 snaps of 11 personnel. Well, what do you do with those other 30 snaps? Some of it's going to be taken by 12 personnel, which is two tight ends. There's going to be snaps. You're going to get two running backs on the field. You can put Logan Diggs and Lorenzo Styles on the field together with a tight end and go 21 personnel. 
You can do that with Jeremiah Love, Jadarian Price, if he comes back healthy, which as of right now, we expect him to. Jeremiah Love's a guy that can do some of those things. I mean, not that I want to move Jeremiah Love to receiver, but what I'm saying is, is if you get into a situation where you lose a receiver, you say to Jeremiah, hey, we're we're going to we were always going to have you do stuff in the pass game as a running back. We're going to start implementing that stuff a lot now and, and get you into some of these 21 personnel looks. And you can easily do that as well. So I think when you look at a depth chart, it's not just about, OK, how do we fill this role at receiver? There's a lot of other things that a program like Notre Dame can do with 12 personnel, 21 personnel and then 20 personnel with two backs and three receivers that allow you to still get get everything you need to get done and, and attack teams and be dangerous and explosive, even if you can't necessarily go 60 snap, sixty plus snaps a game of 11 personnel. So I, I really just feel moral of the story is with where they are, you need Dion to continue to step up. You need Tobias to continue to step up. Uh, you, you need some level of good health. I don't think that you need to keep Lorenzo Styles here because of this move, if you choose to keep Lorenzo Styles at receiver, it's because you think that's where he helps you best, and that's where you think his future is. And I'm okay with that. I'm not advocating or pushing him to move to corner. I'm saying if that was what you wanted to do, I don't think this loss prevents that. Now that puts a lot of pressure. This move puts a lot of pressure on Dion to step up. I think he's ready for that. It puts a lot of pressure on the freshman class. I think they're ready for that. But you also have the flexibility at other positions to be able to handle that if they're not ready for a certain number of volume. So I, I think Notre Dame's in a good place right now at receiver. I really do. I think they've progressed this spring from, from where they were. They're way ahead of where they were a year ago. They're in basically today pr- con- completed practice of 11 of what is going to be 40 before the first game. I'm happy about the progress. Hopefully that they can have a better year of health. They're due for a good season of health at wide receiver. That's for sure. But I think that the, despite the loss of Caleb Smith, I'm very bullish on the Notre Dame receiving core. And I feel like if they decide they want to make a move with Lorenzo Styles, they're in a good place to do so. So that's going to do it for this for this kind of special edition show. We'll be back soon here. I'm, I'm not sure when we're going to break down the scrimmage. We may do it on Monday. I may kind of do something this weekend to kind of discuss it. May do like a special show like this this weekend to really discuss uh, what we heard about the scrimmage. But I, I want to try to get some intel first. Uh, before I do that. But uh, at the very least, we'll talk about it at the latest on our Tuesday show next week. So make sure, folks, be- that you do me that solid. Hit the like on this one if you're listening on you- watching on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to our channel. Uh, share this podcast, not just share the share button, which obviously helps us with our algorithm, but also tell your friends about the channel we've got going on here. If you're listening via podcast app, would re- greatly appreciate a five-star review. You can also sign up for our newsletter. The link will be in the description box below. I'm going to start putting that in the podcast app as well. But you can that's where you get all of our free content. It comes out almost every day. You'll get links to all, to our, our most recent stories. And, and, of course, sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Thanks for being with us today. We'll talk to you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>